Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Movies and Meal, a podcast where we talk about movies and other things while we eat. I'm your co-host Ben, and as always, I'm joined by Keith hey. and Brad. What's up? So this week, we're going to review Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and we're going to do that with one of our number one Spider-Man fans, and that's Matt. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. So good to see you from Earth 1962 or something like that. <laughs> oh, welcome always. The 1999999. Yeah. 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 So we're all excited to talk about this movie, which is the sequel to the 2018 movie uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's animated. It's Sony. And that movie was critically and acclaimed with the box office. It won an Oscar for Best Animated Movie. And it's just really drummed up a lot of anticipation from us. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's probably on all of our top 10 lists. This is Brad's number one most anticipated movie for a couple years because of some delays and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea there were five years from these two movies. That's crazy. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's because of the COVID. Yeah, and it's still, it's still wild, right? Because this was supposed to be a birthday movie last year. This was supposed to come out on my. Oh, this was supposed <laughs> they to come ruined out Brad's from, birthday from with the birthday. pandemic, and then they moved it back for um, the Madam Web movie, which then they canceled again. So what was that? <laughs> it's, it's it was supposed to the Madam Web thing was supposed to apparently tie into Cross the Spider Verse or something, and then they didn't do yeah. it. So yeah. I, yeah, and plus, you know, it, the animated it just takes a long time. Um, yeah. I, without spoiling it, there was there's a certain character I read that it took two or three years just to animate that character mm -hmm. because of the design stuff. Um, we'll mention it after the spoiler. Oh, cool. On all that, but let me just throw it to you, Matt. Like, so what was your anticipation level for this? I mean, obviously, you're a big Spider-Man fan. It was so high. I mean, it was it was something where I kind of had a, a high level of confidence that it was going to be good. And then seeing some of the trailers and realizing the story that it seemed like the trailers were pointing at about Spider-Man's responsibility and this idea. I mean, it's mentioned in the trailers about how there are certain things that happen to all Spider-Man. And I and I had a suspicion of what that meant for uh, Miles's relationship with uh, some of his family members, right? I'm, I'm, we'll we'll talk about it a lot more uh, soon, but and so I was I was really hyped about that because it was like this idea about this, what what is our ultimate responsibility and, and just these really cool questions and and I was not disappointed. It was just excellent. Um, I, I really really enjoyed it. So I had high expectations and it was it, it met them right on. Okay, so uh, because this is kind of a big movie and we're all excited to talk about it, I think what we're going to do is, um, after Brad reads the summary, we're just going to talk about general thoughts quickly, give our reviews, then we'll do the Rotten Tomatoes box office. These fellows have their own um, lists on where this ranks in the Spider-Man movie genre. And then we're just going to go full spoilers very early because um, it's a lot to talk about. I think without further ado, um, Brad, if you want to tell the folks what this movie is about. Certainly, Ben. Um, summary is always courtesy of IMDb. Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. Now, off the air, you said that was a bad summary. I thought that was pretty good. No. There's a couple words that, that <laughs> are a little misleading, I'll yeah. just say. Okay. so. Yeah. All right, so why don't we toss it to our guest first. So Matt, you want to lead off? Um, what are your first impressions of this movie? I thought this was an amazing movie. You know, it was just something that that takes the original and doesn't just repeat 
everything in the original. It really kind of takes both the story and everything that the original stands for forward. And I mean that in terms of, you know, trying to create a very powerful story that's more than just, oh, cool action and they're fighting each other and then a good guy or a bad guy, you know, wins a fight or something like that. There's a really powerful moral and message that's in this this movie, too, which I thought the first Spider-Verse did really, really well. Um, also, um, but then also the animation is superior. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. Uh, it, it's, it's all inspiring just to see the way that they're able to weave a lot of these things, these, these animation styles and things like that, that we'll talk about more together. So I was, I was blown away. I agree with everything Matt said, just, and I'll just keep it short and sweet. This was an awesome movie. All right. Well, you know, you guys are, you guys are dead, right? Of course. Um, it was fantastic. And I'll tell you, it did two things, you know, the great animation, a great story, but it did two things that usually annoy me. It created a prequel, really, for a guy who already had his own movie, and it also split a movie in two. Almost every time I go see a prequel or that happens, I'm thoroughly worried, but this one, it still had its own engaging story, and like you said, the animation was amazing, so I love it. You know, it's hard to top the first one, and it's also a hard challenge to maintain the quality of, of the first movie that we all loved but still expand in the universe um there's some nitpicks too i think we are missing some of the main characters from the first movie or they get some significantly reduced playing time but i think that's in service of the longer story and maybe i think some of the knocks on it were some people who maybe didn't know that it it was going to be kind of a two-parter <laughs> and maybe we're a little confused about like, you know, we're only a half an hour left in the movie and things are not being resolved. But, um, you know, having that benefit of knowing that we're going to get a second movie or a third movie, um, I, I just thought there was a lot of world building and table setting for the rest of the of the universe that I really enjoyed. And it still gave some context, like what Keith was saying, to the first movie and a better understanding. So uh, they really taking it up a notch as far as each world each character has their own defining look and everything like that and you know the opening of the movie is kind of painted like in this kind of watercolor universe mm -hmm. and then we get into something a little bit more familiar with and um i don't know it's it's just hard to say anything really bad about this movie except i wanted more and I guess it just sucks that we're going to have to wait until uh, March. We'll go back around the roundtable uh, real quick. And um, Matt, so what are you going to give this movie? This was really tough, guys, because, I mean, in some ways, I was like, I I, I think I gave Spider-Man No Way Home um, a 4.5. And uh, and this is better than Spider-Man No Way Home in my in my estimation. Um, but but there are still just a couple of things that that I I, I just just a couple of small nitpicks and quibbles and and things like that. It well, we can certainly talk about the details later. But you know because it's not a complete complete story, right? It is very much a, a um, part one of part two type situation or or part three or part two of part three, I guess. Anyway, um, so so it's so in some ways it is like incomplete in that way. There's no kind of like final conclusion the same way that like even um empire strikes back has for example but we'll we'll talk about it more i guess uh but anyway i'm gonna say 4.5 it's a better 4.5 but i'm gonna say 4.5 <laughs>
Yeah, Matt. Matt's a, it's a four point seven five that he's got to round down yeah, to a four point exactly four point seven zero. There you go, round down to a four point five. So. Um, Brad, before you start, can I ask you a question? Yeah, you you know, Brad is going doing the Herculean task of kind of compiling what our ratings have been for the last five years in anticipation for our five year anniversary. Yeah, uh, episode. That's cool. Can you tell us again what the three of us gave the first movie? Keith and I gave it a five. Okay, you gave it a four and a half. Okay, okay. so okay. Pretty standard for a great movie. Yeah. Okay. So. so, so go ahead, Brad. So, what does this movie get? Uh, five. Okay. About five out of five. Just like Matt, I got a couple goibles. They're real small and could probably be explained away pretty easily. All in all, this Into the Spider Verse was a five for me. This movie's a five for me. You ask me on any day, you could probably flip flop them as which one's better. In my opinion, like I said, it's it's an excellent movie. Well, I'm with you. Um, you know, the animation was slightly better. The story was a little better. I thought this was, movie was better all around. Not not miles better, but, you know, a little pun there, but slightly better. And so I found, I think the quibbles, you guys, to be yourselves, but I think quibbles I've heard are mainly comic book things that don't really bother me. You know, I'm not a Spider-Man devotee, so I let some things slide, but, you know, I, I, I loved every minute of this. And the rating is? Oh, five, sorry. Maybe you're gonna hate me. Um, I'm gonna go four just because I don't know if it's better than into the into the Spider Verse right mm-hmm. now, and I am maybe counting it as kind of just the first half of a bigger movie that's gonna yep. be completed. But uh, and you know maybe I'll regret this, but um, I just <laughs> again in context of what Into the Spider Verse was and what to this is, I, I just have to give it a four right now because it does feel a little incomplete to me, and yep. that's maybe the. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like Infinity War Endgame. You know, it's just like you got to you count them as one movie. At least I do anyway. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Ben. I'm glad you brought it up. Say, I asked Matt, too. um, What what did you all think of Infinity War when it first came out before Avengers Endgame? Did you um, did did you knock it down a little bit till Endgame came out and then maybe watched it again and rose up a uh, rose up your feeling for it? Matt, Matt, what's your what, uh, what do you think? Did you? Did you uh, raise up a Fanny War after you saw Endgame? No. Um, the, the the big difference that I see between the way that Infinity War and Endgame were connected together and the way that this, this movie and, and what we assume beyond the Spider-Verse will be connected together is that, I mean, this one literally feels like it's stopping in the middle of a scene, you know? I mean, and in that way, I mean, literally, Miles, is it, it is like what you would see as the Batman show from the 60s was cutting to a commercial break, right? Or whatever. It would be like, <laughs> how are they going to get out of this one? And the Infinity War feels more like there's a definite conclusion to that part of the story you know the the heroes lose right and 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 you know there there is more to be done obviously um and there there there's a great you know kind of fulfilling story that needs to continue on and it picks up the thread from this last movie but i still felt like infinity war was a little bit more complete just as its own story that its own chapter if you will this one very much feels like it's like kind of cut right in the middle and it's like okay get ready it's going to be awesome and you know eight months or whenever when it comes if it doesn't get delayed um but uh so that that's kind of the difference for how i see it gotcha. ben uh same same question yeah you know it's kind of like the mcu right now with phase five is that um because i know there's another movie coming out maybe i'm looking past and maybe not fully appreciating what this movie is because <laughs> you know like with some of the mcu movies i'm just like can we just fast forward to the end and we'll see who the cameo is and how this is going to set up the longer term storyline for the MCU. And, um, you know, and to a lesser extent, um, this is doing the same thing because we're really just setting up the next movie. Um, and it's not, 
fully a standalone. It's kind of a, in a, a literally, it's a, it's kind of an in between movie from the first movie and what we assume the third one's going to be as far as what the story is. And um, there are a lot of great beats that I appreciate in this movie. A lot of characters that I'm sure we're going to talk about. A lot of great cameos that. I can't wait to watch this movie again, at least on the yeah. home front, so I can at least pause and look at all the different cameos that we're getting. Maybe when we review this movie again in March or the sequel in March, you know, we'll revisit this question and I can give you a more complete answer about, um, you know, how I feel about it. Rotten Tomatoes or Box Office? What, dealer's Choice, Brad? When um, let me do Box Office first because okay. Rotten Tomatoes might have some uh, caveats to it, but... Okay. Uh, Box office, um, I think you can probably guess what was number one. Boogeyman? Yes, the Boogeyman. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, $120.5 million. Wow. Biggest summer box office opening uh, so far this year. So Number two, The Little Mermaid, uh, $40.6 million. Wow. Uh, Two-week total of $186.2 million. Number three, Keith's, Keith's uh, aforementioned The Boogeyman, uh, $12.3 million in its first week. Um Number four, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, $10.2 million, five-week total of $322.8 million. And uh, number five is Fast X with uh, $9.2 million this week and a three-week total of $128 million. So. Okay, okay. I mean, blockbuster season is upon us. Those are yeah. all... And mm -hmm. alive and well. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> Now for the Rotten Tomatoes. Um, who wants to go first? Matt? Yep. Uh, critics, audience, uh, what's your prediction? Um, I'm going to say 95 for both. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like it was probably pretty well reviewed and also probably a pretty high level of support for this one. So gotcha. I'll just say 95. Gotcha. Keith? Uh, just for fun, I will go 100 across the board. Yeah. I like your thoughts, Keith. I'll, I'll track a little lower, meaning that I'll say like 91 for the critics and audiences uh, 93. Critics, 95%, 243 reviews. So Matt's right on the ball on that one. Audience, 97%, 2,500 plus reviews. So mm -hmm. critics consensus, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, just as visually dazzling and action-packed as its predecessor, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse thrills from start to cliffhanger conclusion. Okay. So. And let me let me counter with that. Um, I enjoy like going to IMDb and reading the one-star reviews. <laughs> uh, one out of 10, entitled <laughs> Hot Garbage. <laughs> This movie sucks. Everyone saying it's good is trying to convince themselves they didn't waste their money. Five years for two and a half hours setup movie. Hopefully the next one doesn't take five years to make. If you want to watch two and a half hours of setup and just to be told in to tune in next time, I suggest watching Dragon Ball Z next. At least that show is fully made and there's a payoff. Wow. The animation and action sequences are good. There are some funny moments. But this would have been much better to split up into a 22-minute chunks and package the TV show. Maybe better on hallucinogenics. Well, that, that last part might be true. <laughs> Depending on the type. If it's mushrooms, it could be wow. very bad. So. Sure, sure. Doesn't, we don't know about that. Your uh, drug history here? Yeah, no, no. Uh, not me personally, but uh, I digress. Okay, so. all right. So I didn't necessarily have a top five um all spider fan list but um i think we'll do that after brad says what he has to say yeah it's just uh real quick in the um in the full list of spider-man movies there's 10 spider-man solo movies um critics and audience this ranks number two in all of them so for critics as how high they are yes okay. for critics and audience so which oh, movie for critics it's spider-man into the spider-verse mm -hmm. and from audience it's spider-man no way home okay uh, mm -hmm. so where's spider-man 2 
Spider-Man 2 is, uh, well, <laughs> that's okay. you don't want to ask for the audience. <laughs> no, it's okay. Critics, there's a tie for third between No Way Home and Spider-Man 2. Okay. So. okay. so why don't we go ahead and do our top five list. Um, I will probably just maybe riff or recuse myself, but um, Matt, where's this rank, top five? This one I'm putting in in uh, right in the middle of the top five. So I'll, I'll go through my list just real fast. So I've got Into the Spider-Verse at number one. I probably am doing this the wrong way. I should probably count down, but I'm just going to okay. keep going. <laughs> so Into the Spider-Verse is number one for me. Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is number two for me. Um, and it's close. Um, they're, they're trying to do different things. But anyway, um, and then I've got Across the Spider-Verse as my number third movie. I've got No Way Home as number four right now. Um, I feel a little fuzzy about that. That that one I could see changing, um, but but um, I still love that movie. I still have a lot of affection for it. And then um, number five right now I have as uh, Spider-Man, uh, the original, um, the, the Raimi Spider-Man number one. Number five for me, Spider-Man Far From Home. Number four is Spider-Man 2. The, the top four movies you could probably just interchange and, and from day to day, week to week. I mean, it's they're, they're all good. So, But uh, uh, Spider-Man 2 is number four for me. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, number three. Spider-Man No Way Home, number two. And uh, Spider-Man mm -hmm. Into the Spider-Verse uh, is number one for me. So, All right. Well, I will go last to show you how much I like these new movies. Um, I have Homecoming, number five. No Way Home, number four. Into the Spider-Verse, number three. Across the Spider-Verse number two, and Spider-Man 2 changed everything, everything about how I watch superhero movies, so yeah. my favorite superhero movie ever, so it has to be number one. Yeah, yeah and I, I don't know if I'll give my top five, but I agree. I think universally the top three should be, like for me anyway, Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man 2, and then Spider-Man... Um, no way home, right? That's yeah. the third one. Yeah, yeah. Third. Why do they always have? To, I, I don't They're know. so similar. <laughs> but Spider Man's a home guy. Yeah. I mean, he sticks, <laughs> sticks close close to Brooklyn and to New York. He's he's your There's homecoming. No way home and far from. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's yeah. your he's your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be. He's he, he he can't be world trotting when he's a neighborhood Spider Man. So even though he finds a way to do it in the comics. Uh, frequently and somehow finds a way to do it spectacularly so yeah so that'd be my top three um spider-man the sam raymond one before mm -hmm. and then um like four and a half is maybe like a random 20 minutes and amazing spider-man i don't know maybe the sally maybe only the sally field and <laughs> machine stuff only that's it and emma stone yeah so that's like four four and three quarters uh, so. uh. all right brad i think shall we Take the spoilers lid yeah. off. Spoilers! Turn away! Web away now! All right, so I'll, I'll just go like the real brief over, overview of what happened. So this takes place about 16, 18 months after the first movie. Miles is kind of figuring out how to be Spider-Man. Um, Gwen has been recruited into like a spider society led by Miguel O'Hara, who in a weird kind of like Loki way or like time variance authority way, you know, they're, they're charged with um, keeping the, the universe's continuity and making sure that like canon events that define all Spider-Man across all spider universes um, still happen. Uh, and, you know, Miguel is kind of a, kind of a hard ass about that. And um, so he's doing that. And then also, Miles inadvertently created uh, the superhero villain, The Spot, in between the scenes of the first movie that no one really noticed. And mm -hmm. The Spot is motivated by revenge against Miles for 
a lot of things and he also threatens this multiverse now so <laughs> yeah who knew a bagel could do so much damage yeah yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. so and, and basically without spoiling it too I, we won't spoil that much but miguel and miles do not see eye to high no. um <laughs> mile in, in, a, in a kind of a weird parallel to um no way home basically with dr strange and peter parker in that universe basically you know, Doctor Strange is like, well, we gotta do some, we gotta make some sacrifices for the greater good. And Tom Holland, not no Tom Holland and Miles in this movie are just like, forget that. I can, I can do both. And um, goes against it. And you know, um, they come through across purposes, and it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. I won't really spoil that much, but Miles is basically trapped in a universe that is not his own, and with Gwen and the rest of the spider-verse people that are on his side coming to get him and that's pretty much the the, the short version the short spoilery non-spoilery version about that um so now that the spoilers are off matt um let's talk about it i mean <laughs> what did you like about this movie some of the performances i told i told brad through text the other day i was like i have so many thoughts about this movie it's been it's really been buzzing around in my mind i just um had hoped to uh to organize them i probably have not done a very good job um organizing them but so i'll just start with uh with talking about uh how the beginning really surprised me right i did not expect as much um gwen focus in this one as there was um but i loved it i loved it 100 it really set the tone for this movie that it's not just going to be us falling right back into miles's story and it being this very kind of like um, set kind of like oh people are coming into his his orbit or something like that it's really expansive and we get that sense not just in the fact that we're looking at Gwen totally removed from Miles but also that we see the art style is completely different which it just kind of sets all these things into motion that we know are going to and then we see happen throughout the rest of the movie uh, with the with these these contrasting art styles which represent these different universes which just open up I don't know these these just kind of frankly like inspired storytelling choices that they're able to do through this it's you know sometimes you look at animated movies and you're kind of like okay that was good and um uh, a perfectly fine movie and then there are sometimes where people really get animation in such a way where you're like oh there was no other way to do this story except through animation and that's definitely the case here so it's this really powerful example of just storytelling and and what's cool about it not to go too deep right away but that parallels the comic book medium as well right there are certain stories that only comics can tell in their art form and so this movie kind of trying to emulate that also kind of creates its own thing with the animated movie uh genre format whatever you want to call it it's just it's just really amazing um i liked i like that part very much um when it gets to when it gets to Miles's story, the movie slows down a lot, and I was kind of kind of curious about that, like why it was doing that. But I think it was just because it's trying to also tell this very emotional, powerful family story as well. So I really enjoyed that aspect too, the relationship that Miles has with his dad and his mom, for that matter. But especially the the crux of the movie being that Miles needs to save his father or feels so compelled to do that, and then the rest of the Spider Men are kind of like, "No, nah, you can't do that because you'll destroy the universe." And he He's like, no, I'm going to anyway. You know, that's just a really powerful, that's a really powerful thing of uh, like 
emphasizing heroism and i don't know it's an amazing movie a lot of really cool themes that kind of come up in that too um i i could i could say more but i'll, I'll stop there just to <laughs> let some other people chime in too i'm gonna agree with the uh the gwen stacy beginning the movie I, that was it was a little surprising but i'm glad they, they're building up on her story because it's definitely a um a good story to, it's it's a very compelling story let me rephrase that because there's a lot there's a lot of heartache like any kind of spider-man story there's a lot of heartache that comes with a compelling story and um I'm, I'm, they, they did a real good job telling it and the i love how like matt mentioned about the universe is how they have a different shade for each universe but in particular especially in the gwen stacy one i like how how her mood how her mood is affected it affects the coloring <laughs> because it's actually a darker shade of pink when she when the sadder and the lonelier and just the more depressed she gets and then especially since we're in spoilers here i just when she makes up with uh with her dad and it just yeah. just you see a shot of pink and then it just it's bright i mean i really really love how they do that and um it's i don't i think that's the only universe you really see it i mean you see a difference in each one of them but i think that's the one where it really like the mood is really affected there and it, it they do a very good job with that and um on that note, I'm interested to see if they do the same thing with a third movie. Like if they choose a, choose one of the spider spider uh, people to start off with, and I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they do it with uh, Miguel O'Hara. I'm interested to see if they take yeah. the different side of it because um, they paint Miguel as a as 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 the villain, but uh, every good villain has a good compelling story, and 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 mm -hmm. they do definitely have a good job uh, good job uh, with the story. My only nitpick with it is. He comes off as a little too harsh. I mean, I understand oh, yeah. the reason. <laughs> I understand the reason why he's angry at Miles, but I almost say when it's it's a little misplaced. I mean, Miles didn't get chose to get didn't choose to get bitten by the spider. It just kind of happened. I mean, and I mean, yes, it, it led to a, a spiral effect, but I mean, it wasn't his to control. I'm almost thinking that there's another reason behind it. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'm hoping that maybe the third movie can expound upon it a little bit. So, but. Oscar Isaac does a real good job voicing Miguel O'Hara in this. It's just the the heartache, the anger. It's just it's there and it's really done. In fact, everybody, just blanket statement. Everybody does a real good job of voice acting. There's no one misplace. I mean, it's just it's all very well done. Even Jason Schwartzman as a spot is very well done. So. Jason Schwartzman, come on. I just that's, that's so rude. He's the villain. I mean, so the, the villain's got to get bottom tier. So, I know. so, but I mean, everybody, everybody does a great job. Even mm -hmm. the guest spots do a great job. There you go. So, like, um, Andy Samberg is Ben Riley. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's hilarious, but it's it's very well done. So, but I'm gonna ramble. So, Keith, what, you got any thoughts here? Well, you know, you guys are right. This is um, as much a Gwen Stacy movie as it is, um, you know, Miles movie. That did surprise me. What I really like is that both of them have gotten so much better. Shamik Moore is great. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves Haley Seinfeld, but she's fantastic in this. And I love the way their two stories kind of parallel, and it just came together perfectly. And since Brad started to get into it, you know, one of the things I was not really worried about, I didn't think they'd be able to match the stable of colorful characters you had in the first one. But some of the supporting members of the Spider Society were just brilliant. I mean, Daniel Kaluuya as Hobie, Ben knows yeah. I laugh too loud at everything. I laughed every time he opened his mouth. I didn't know it was Daniel Kaluuya. So I was very happy to see that at the end. And even better, I think he's it, this Praveeter, the um the Indian Spider-Man with mm -hmm. um Karen Sony of Deadpool. He was fantastic. You know, so the supporting players were all very funny. The whole the cast was great all around. That's what I was saying. Like sometimes it's hard when you're doing a second movie when you have the weight of the first one and all the expectations happen. And 
we've seen a lot of MCU movies fail where it's like they got to serve as a sequel, prequel, also like set up characters and everything like that. And it just kind of crumbles within on its own weight. But I thought, you know, again, because it is kind of a, a movie that's been split in half, um, I, I thought they had a, they did a good job with that. And all the performances are great. I'm glad that Hayley Steinfeld got a lot more to do. Um, you know, she's kind of the third lead in the first movie, and she's almost a co-star in this with, mm-hmm. with Miles. I mean, yeah, you know, her prelude in the beginning, it's like 25, 30 minutes. I mean, we mm-hmm. don't really see Miles. The movie's about two hours and 20 minutes long, and we don't really see Miles till maybe minute 35, 40. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's a pretty interesting thing, but um, I just thought it was, um, you know, visually, like we said, it's fantastic. All the cameos were great. Um, you know, I just want to see them more. Um, you know, I mentioned before about the animation style, um, but that's what I read that, um, like, Hobie's animation, which is kind of like, it's like cut up zines um, yeah. that they like paste MTV, together. MTV punk a little yeah, yeah. Too. Mm. That they said that took about two to three years to animate. Wow. Well, I'm glad they so, had the five years. Yeah. So <laughs> when you're wondering, like, well, why does it take so long? Yeah. Because you know, it's, it's you, you gotta. Yeah. It wasn't. I think it's almost like was it the Clash? I think they had albums that sort of was yeah. like that yeah. style. It's definitely so, a punk look. Yeah. 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 So. It's like, yeah the the British British punk. Yeah. Know, but, so. Um, and 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 Dan Kalua, even though I don't have this written down, I meant to write it down. Dan Kalua is my secret MVP in this. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. every time, like Keith says, every time he opens his mouth, it just it's like it brings a smile to your face. And mm-hmm. just in general, just the way he kind of blends off of everybody. I mean, it's just like when they're having the conversation. Miles first meets him, and they're they're trying to stop the spot, and just the the back and forth conversation just <laughs> flows pretty well. And I mean, just he's he's offers it so well, and just the the. Um, the British style of speaking. I'm not going to say it's Cockney because it might not. No, it's, be, co- it's Cockney. It's a Cockney. So, so I mean, it's just it's 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 wonderfully done. And I mean, and it's like this in all uh, with with everyone. It's just like it seems like they blend so well. I think another scene is um, kind of bouncing around here. But when is it Rio, Rio, the mom, Rio, yeah, yeah, Rio and uh, Jefferson um, are talking with, I guess, the guidance counselor. And then when uh, Rachel Dretch, yeah, yeah and when mm-hmm. uh, Miles Miles Morales shows up and just that thing, just there and the, just there in the 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 office and just when they find out miles gets a b in spanish and just she just goes <laughs> off it's it's very well done and it's fits so well like they just go off of each other so well matt did you have any like particular performances um i think the other thing before i let you speak like you know it's just how i'm about how compelling it is um is that miles doesn't really show up to about half an hour and I kind of totally forgot about Peter B. Parker until he shows yeah. up kind of midway through, just because there's so much other stuff to focus on. But um, was there any character or cameo or voice performance that you enjoyed, Matt? I uh, I guess I can think about it on kind of like two levels. The I I have to just kind of emphasize again, like um, kind of well, what all of you guys have said, but but Brad mentioned it, especially like with Oscar Isaac with um, Spider Man twenty ninety nine, and and this is something that like these movies, both Spider Verse movies, do I should say that a lot of superhero movies don't do is that I mean you really see these kinds of characters and their performances kind of evolve because at first. Miguel is like really he's gruff and he and he seems like he's kind of just a, a jerk or whatever for no reason but he really kind of cracks when during the chase scene with with Miles and he becomes like this really angry menacing guy um especially in this one scene where he's got kind of Miles pinned and he's saying frankly really hateful stuff towards Miles um that that you know makes him seem really villainous but then after Miles escapes 
you know, there's this moment where, you know, he's confronted with this idea that, you know, maybe we're not acting like the good guys anymore. And he's kind of like, you know, one one version of the performance would be to be very defiant and say, we are the good guys, but he doesn't really do it like that. He has this kind of like, I don't know, this kind of like gen this almost brokenness in his voice as he says it. He's like, we we are the good, you know, he's he's like he recognizes this is like an impossible choice i expect i mean i don't know how much theorizing we want to do i expect we'll see him in some ways kind of redeemed a little bit from his his really kind of menacing almost you know bad guy kind of portrayal in this movie um in in the third one just because i think he is in a He's he's gone through a lot of trauma, and I think that's really informed the way that he acts here, um, which is just really compelling, and it really comes through in a lot of the choices he makes in his voice. Um, as far as like other uh, uh, voice acting performances, I got to give a shout out to uh, Brad. You mentioned it, uh, Andy Samberg as as Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider. That 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 might be my favorite little cameo, just because it is. I mean, I got into reading Spider Man comics during the '90s Clone Saga series, so there was a lot of Scarlet. Scarlet Spider in that and it's you know it, it matches that 90s aesthetic both in art and also in the the brooding style to a T and and he does that perfectly that was just that was a real joy I loved seeing him every time he popped up on screen and and every time he was just kind of monologuing to himself and and talking about his his traumatic past and all these these wonderful things it's just just hilarious that way what about you Brad do you, do you have any favorite cameos um I really like Jake Johnson as Peter Parker. I mean, he just, it, it's oh, okay. Well, it's not cameo, but well, cameo. Uh, well, that's okay. I, there's so many. I mean, it's just, um, Yuri, Yuri Lowenthal, the yeah, video game player. Yeah, Yuri Lowenthal was cool. in there, but I think the, the most underrated one, and, and it's a very short line, but seeing the spectacular Spider Man from the, yeah, uh, from the cartoon, well, that was wonderful. That was a wonderful series that's criminally underrated and was criminally mm -hmm. cut short. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful series. So that, I guess that the little there, but it was good to see. And I might be butchering it. I think it was, is it Web Slinger or Gunslinger? Yeah. The, 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 cause Matt, when you posted the thing on Facebook the day before and, and I, and I saw the, the, the exact same line that was said in, on, on the clip you posted on Facebook is what they said. And I just immediately, I thought I was like, well, Matt's going to get a joy there because there's definitely seen there. So, um, I, uh, my wife, uh, you know, saw that part of the movie and she just looked at me like, did you know this? And I was like, no, I didn't know it. I just assumed all of them were going to show up, you know? And, and that was a, that was a really funny. I really like Jake Johnson. It's mm -hmm. just, he, he gives you the laid back feel that sometimes Peter Parker has when he comes in there, it's just like, it's chaotic and there's, it's like plans have fallen. And he just comes in, he's just whimsy. He's just like, Hey, you just got to take it easy on the kid. I mean, he had a bad trainer. And I mean, it's just, I think as as it went on, just he was trying to be the voice of reason for Miles. Nobody wanted to listen to him. Gwen Stacy was kind of caught in between and just didn't know what to do. And he just like he pulls Miles around there and he tries to tries to talk him down, tries to show the dilemma of what what's going on and all that. He tries he's trying to be a mentor again. And and it's I think it's like I said, I think it's well done. And I think the scene with him and Mary Jane is very well done too. It's just like just showing like all of it's just building up on him. It's like he he knows going through that it's like he knows miles might have to go through that too and have to face that choice but with him raising his daughter it's like it's like a juxtaposition so i really i really enjoyed that scene so you got some thoughts on that matt real quick yeah brad i was just gonna say that i i totally agree jake johnson's performance in the first movie was 
so amazing to me. I mean, like, and of course, it's the way the character is written, too. But of this kind of like slightly past his prime Spider-Man that's entered middle age, you know, as as someone that is also entered middle age, you know, you find a lot of connection in that. I think I talked about that the first time you guys invited me on um, a couple of years ago. Um, just really compelling character that way. And I love the fact that although he has resolution at the end of Into the Spider-Verse, right, he reconnects with Mary Jane, they have a child, right? He's still this guy that's trying to figure out you know how to be now how to be a good dad right and and it's like that's just a really relatable powerful thing and again uh johnson's performance is just incredible in conveying that while still having some of that silliness that quippiness that spider-man always has it does feel like you know a spider-man that's trying to be a little bit more responsible but it's still just that that kid that thinks, oh, I have these powers. I know I'll put on this costume and go around and save people. You know, it's that that kind of like recklessness now just older, you know, like 20 years later or whatever. It's 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 beautifully done, in my opinion. I think we've mentioned most of the cast. Um, I, I, she didn't really have a lot to do, but hopefully she will in the next movie. But uh, I enjoyed Issa Rae as Jessica Drew. Um, I Like I said, she didn't really have a lot except being kind of a mentor to Gwen but uh, I like that design too. It's just cool. Yeah. She's on the motorcycle. You know, I just love the fact that that J.K. Simmons, no matter what the project is, mm -hmm. he will always be J. Jonah Jameson. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, whatever it is, like Lego Spider-Man, Cartoon Spider-Man, <laughs> all of them. I, I did want to address, like, what did you guys think of the cliffhanger? You know, um, now this is like deep spoilers. Um, mm -hmm. Miles tries to go back to his original universe. However, what it's revealed is that he's the original time anomaly because the spider that bit him was from another universe. So he was never meant to be bit. So when he gets sent back, he gets sent back to the OG universe, not the universe that he knows. <laughs> and one of which that his dad has already been killed. Um, and that version of miles becomes a prowler. And that's kind of where the movie ends. Um, we get to, we get to see Mershaw Lee again. He comes back, mm -hmm. even though he died in the first movie. At least to my nitpick, though. It's one of two I have. I would have loved to seen, you know, when they have the indicator of where they're going, the send back machine or whatever it's called. I would have loved to not seen that it was Earth 42. Yeah. I would right. love to find out naturally that he's not in his universe. So what did, Matt, what did you think about the end, the cliffhanger of that basic? When it, when it first came out, well, first of all, I'll, I'll fully admit it surprised me, right? Like I, I glanced at my watch and I was like, oh yeah, no, I guess this would be, <laughs> we, we've been here for a while. This would make sense. So it took me a little while to realize that the, what they were doing. And I kind of, I was left cold at first by the way that they decided to end it just because as I was kind of saying before, I've heard a lot of comparisons to this being like, the Empire Strikes Back of the Spider-Verse uh, trilogy, you know, and the difference with that one, kind of like what I said about Infinity Wars, that Darth Vader and Luke have their battle and it ends, you know, it's it yeah. would be it would be akin to uh, Luke being trapped on that that like scaffolding or whatever and Darth Vader approaching him and then it cutting to, you know, the screen wipe and saying, all right, we'll see you for Return of the Jedi, you know. There would have been a mutiny if that, if that happened. Yeah. <laughs> And so I don't I don't know that I like the way that it ended, like literally in the middle of a, you know, kind of event. Uh, I, I would have liked maybe a little bit more of a conclusion on it just for the sake of it feeling more like it's a chapter that's that's closing or or taking a break on it. That's that's my feel on that. Uh, I've kind of come to uh 
come to accept it a little bit more. I mean, you know, it is very authentic, right? I mean, it's a comic booky thing. You stop in the middle of the story and it does say to be continued, you know, that that that's what you do in comics. The big difference being that your next comic is coming out in three weeks and not, uh, you know, almost a year <laughs> away. So, so that, that was a little, that was a little bit of a, a problem I had with it. I mean, it got me hyped. I will say that to its credit. I mean, I was excited at the very end. You see Noir, you see Spider-Ham, you see uh, Penny, you see all the friends from the first one, as well as the new friends that they met. And it's like, you get this idea of this, this crew that's going to ride with miles. And I'm like, I can't wait to see how this goes. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. So Gwen did her a, new uh, gang do, do the run out at the end. That was fantastic. Yeah, something a little different. I love the music. They, they, they did a real good job with the first uh, in the first one and into the Spider Verse. They, they, as always, they do a great job with this one. It's just I love how each different Spider Man, the Spider Person, and each different uh, universe had its own like music and theme to it, and it's it's totally different from others. So I really I really did enjoy how they did that with the music. What was uh, your favorite scene? each of you from the from uh from the movie well if i can go first you know matt mentioned that it slows down a lot when we get to when miles enters the movie and it does but still my favorite part is when mm -hmm. he and gwen are flying around town and flirting and then they're hanging upside down on that uh that building that was just so beautiful and just a just a perfect shot that was my favorite my favorite stretch man ben why don't you go next so. um you know i just thought the whole chase sequence towards the end mm -hmm. when miles escapes and all the spider-man are trying yep. to chase them and then you know he and peter kind of have a heart to heart and everything like that from from the from the escape to basically his capture i mean i thought that's pretty exhilarating i thought that mm -hmm. was a that was a great that was a great action sequence probably one of the best I've seen in just any superhero movie in a while. So, mm -hmm. Matt, uh, I was going to say the chase as well. Um, kind of the culmination of that when Miguel has has Miles pinned against that uh, space train thing, and he's kind of laying into him again with this just kind of like really vicious kind of stuff about how you don't you shouldn't even be spider-man and all of this really hateful stuff and then miles just kind of you know he has this kind of swell of self-confidence that comes up and he's like i'm not going to let you tell me that i'm not supposed to be a, a spider-man or, or you know tell me what my story is uh and that swelled and then he also kind of lets it slip by the way i did also draw all of you guys away from this so it shows this kind of like real craftiness <laughs> in everything he was doing too and I, I love that scene. That's that was where I felt, you know, all the all the hair stand up on the back of my neck and all my arms and everything. It's just like that is cool. That's cool. Visually amazing too, just because of all the the space and the sky and and all of the you know characters. Obviously, Matt, you and I think alike. It's it, the chase scene is good, but I really love the Miles speech after after Miguel has him trapped down and the, <laughs> and, and the speech Miles gives and then the way he escapes. Literally, I literally felt my lips just start twinning up just just starting to twist up and just uh just naturally i just i couldn't stop it it's just and it was so good i just really enjoyed that that was that was probably there's a lot of good scenes in this movie that one probably made me smile the hardest i mean just just seeing miles outsmart everyone so maybe not intentionally but um but just it's very well done so that that was probably my favorite scene just the miles speech chase is good the miles speech i think for me is just a little better so okay all right um do we have anything else for the good of the order? Um, Matt, do you want to close out with some final thoughts? 
I have I have a theory for the next one. If you want to, I'll, I'll okay, put it well, on the record, absolutely. so to speak. Uh, you know, and it, and if I'm wrong, I'm totally wrong. But uh, I would expect in the in the third movie that Miles will save his dad, right? I, I just I see well, that yeah. happening. Well, <laughs> um, and then I don't know I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but I think what Miguel is going to learn in particular is that he was so convinced that this would be a cannon breaking event for for miles to save his dad because you know apparently all cap police captains have to die or whatever but i think what miguel is not acknowledging and i think kind of what part of the message that the that the movie is kind of trying to get across is that spider-man you know his whole thing is about saving people and I don't think it's going to be cannon breaking for him to save his father in this case, because mm -hmm. that is like his primary objective is to save people. Miguel is is kind of like hurt by this trauma uh, that came from like filling in from this, you know, kind of alternate version of himself after he passed away suddenly. But that was an inherently selfish act, whereas Miles saving his dad is all about saving people. It's about preventing grief. It's about preventing death as much as possible. And I know that some of that happened in when they went to the to uh, the the Spider-Man India uh, world too. But there there's just something really I think fundamental about responsibility, helping other people. That I think we're going to learn a lesson about how the universe kind of responds to that compared to some of the other stuff that that has been seen as like breaking the the canon in some way i i i anticipate that being a part of the story next time and i'm excited about that well miguel will be the key i think you're right but we'll see if you're right about the rest yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've got a smaller theory and it deals with um spider gwen and i might be a little off on this but i'm thinking that with captain george stacy quitting i'm thinking that might start an incursion event I, re I really do. I think that uh, something might change on there. And I might be wrong, totally wrong on this, but I, I think it's it might start something over, over there, which might split Spider-Gwen's focus and cause some dilemma like midway probably through the movie. So you, you could be right on that, Brad. The way that I took that interaction was more like an awakening kind of moment where you realize, oh, wait, no these archetypes don't have to behave the same way that they've always behaved. My dad, who has been a police captain in every other reality that she's probably familiar with has chosen instead to love his daughter and thus not be a police captain. And, and so that's, I, I love that moment from the, the movie as well, because that kind of catapults her forward and she realizes I'm going to help Miles save his dad, because I don't think that just breaking off this one little branch is going to cause the entire universe to, to blow up because he's doing it out of love for his father and, all these cool things we can change those kinds of uh structures there um that that was a that was a cool moment but you might be right too brad there there could be like you know because I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be probably of similar length maybe not exactly this long but so there will probably be some twists and turns in there all right well why don't we go ahead and wrap this episode up first uh, of course obviously i want to thank uh, matt again for joining us Yay. yeah thank you matt yeah thank you guys we'll uh we'll, we'll pencil you in for uh march 2023 when this mm -hmm. thing um 2024 is it 20 oh that's right 2024 yeah, yeah. oh yeah right, yeah. right. this is 2023 right? you never know time, time yeah. moves all kinds of ways oh, yeah, you never know, so yeah but who knows maybe they'll move craven back and move uh uh, beyond the Spider Verse, in on the Craven slot. Maybe I'll yeah. get my uh, uh, Spider Verse movie on my birthday. Yeah, so, so. Um, <laughs> I've got thousands more I can throw out here. So, Keith, do you want to give the trailer? Oh, give the trailer. Sure. Give plugs. You can find us at Moves in the Meal OG at gmail.com, uh, Moves in the Meal on Twitter, 
And give us a listen on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay. Yeah, and you can email us about all your crazy theories about what might happen in Raven. So that's it. All right. So, again, Matt, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. And uh, I think for this episode of Movies to Meal, I'm Ben. Keith. Brad. Peace. See ya.